On today's episode of Locked On 76ers, the Philadelphia squad, they dropped their first one to the Boston Celtics, and it was a bit disappointing. We'll talk about what we saw, our observations next, right here, Locked On 76ers. You are Locked On 76ers, your daily Philadelphia 76ers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKED ON. That's prizepicks.com, promo code LOCKED ON. What's up, D? What's happening, man? What's happening? Not Game not. one in the books. That's what's happening. Yes. Yeah, tough one last night. We got to welcome everybody uh, to Locked On 76ers. I'm Devon Givens from 97.5 The Fanatic Radio in Philadelphia, alongside my partner and co-host, as always, from TheInquired.com. Sixers beat writer extraordinaire Keith Pompey. And uh, we got to thank everybody for making Locked On 76ers your first listen every day. And remember, Locked On 76ers is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, at Locked On 76ers. Everybody loves free stuff, so make sure you check us in. It doesn't cost you anything but some time, and we hope we make it worth your time when you join us. The Sixers, last night in their game, uh, did make it worth the 76ers fans' time with how the result played out last night, some frustrating moments in game one, some usual habits, some, some tough usual habits that we've seen from this basketball team over the course of the last few years as a playoff squad, Keith, as they lost final score, 126, 117. Mm-hmm. I think it was off the top of my head last night. James Harden led the team with 35 points, but it's tough to overcome that when you get 35 each from the two uh, efficient scorers on the other side on on Tuesday, on uh, Tuesday night. Yes, as they open up the season, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum just flat out go off. In the game, Keith, I'll start with you. Your instant observation, well, now hours later, but your instant hour observation of the Sixers-Celtics result. You know, the biggest thing that stood out to me was that this team, well, isn't ready right now. And again, it's one game, but this is, if you base it off of them playing Boston, they, they're just not ready to, to contend with Boston um, at this particular time for a championship. The main thing that I saw was that nothing looked different. I mean, it looked like you have different subjects, like you got different guys on the bench, like Montrez Harrell, DeAnthony Melton, Daniel House were the first three guys off the bench. But they played as if, you know, production-wise, as if they were Shake Milton, Furkan, Korkmaz, and, uh, and Matisse Thibel. You, you understand what I'm saying? So – like on the offensive end, you know, we're looking at it like they just didn't have any bench production. They got destroyed in bench points. I mean, I believe they had 11 points to like 30, 34. You know what I mean? That's not good. And and then also you look at um, Harden. Harden looked good to me, but then you had Tobias. Tobias was a beast in the first half. 
Some can say in the second half he didn't get enough shot attempts, right? But he scored 18 points. 14 of his points came in the first half, 12 in the first quarter. And then the, the, the two baskets he scored late in the game, I mean, he scored in the second half, came in like the last minute of a lopsided, which would have been a lopsided route. So it was kind of like, to me, it was, I just, it, 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 they looked like the same team. And then Joel, I didn't really like his body language. It, it looked like that pick and roll they're working on isn't really working. It seems like Joel wasn't rolling to the basket. It's kind of like, it looked more like a draw, a draw, a, a crowd play than a pick and roll. So, you know, to me, the Sixers, yes, different subjects, different, different names on the back of the jersey but it looked extremely similar to the team that we saw last year. I agree with you. It did look like much of the same in, in this one. And uh, it was, it was tough to, as you're sitting there and, and watching it and paying attention, you're saying, okay, th- why is this happening? The turnovers, way too many turnovers, albeit only 14. It's not a huge number, but it's what happens with that number, especially when there are mostly live ball turnovers leading to the other way of scoring where there's a gap like there was in the game, Keith, 24 to two fast break points. And it's not like they were just getting the rebounds and going the other way. These were a lot of their fast break opportunities off of the mistakes made by the Philadelphia 76ers. Six by Joel Embiid, that's too common. That's something that he is fully aware of where the attention is coming from. That was a big part of the game plan going in, knowing that they don't have a big man uh, uh, that is – Big enough to defend him. Not that there are many in the NBA, but we know Al Horford can defend him very well. But we also know that Joel Embiid can get the best of Al Horford. So what are they going to do, especially with no Robert Williams? Send the double team immediately. As soon as the ball is in the air, that second man is coming. And he he wasn't figuring it out like he did last year for a majority of the season where it worked out in his favor, in the team's favor. And he was coughing the ball up, trying to do too much. And then, and then again, looking for a call instead of doing what he needed to do and protecting the basketball. It's simple. Kick the ball out, get it back if need be on the reset as the defense is scrambling, and work fast. He needed to play under control, and I didn't think he played under enough control. Now, on the other side, where you talk about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, the star players that they are, they were under control and getting theirs. And I I liked how they – uh, saw while their defense while their double teams come in a lot of different ways because they're perimeter players but they see it and yes they can see it with their face-up game I'm, I'm I know that Joel Embiid is more back to the basket having to recognize it as it is playing out but he has to see that much better I hope when they look at the film I hope that they stress it to him again this cannot happen when that extra pressure is coming where you basically panic and start just throwing the ball around or putting the ball on the floor, knowing that there's some quick hands around there, specifically with Marcus Smart. Uh, Derek White is a decent defender, as we know, making an all-NBA defensive team in his career. And then, of course, when you talk about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, two defensive players that are very good on the wing that use their hands, use their length. Malcolm Brogdon comes in the game, the same deal. Grant Williams is looking to get nasty and, and try to make some things happen when he comes in the game defensively. So, I was disappointed that, to your point, a lot of the same things uh, reared his ugly head in game number one, and one of them being Joel Embiid and his turnover problem. You need those extra possessions. 14 is not a lot of turnovers, but you cannot give up 22 points off of that. There was an 11-point difference, Keith, 
in the turnovers in the points off of turnovers some of them of course being fast break opportunities that could have been right there uh, how the game was lost for the Philadelphia 76ers yeah yeah I mean I, I agree with you 100 percent and I mean, also but gotta but, find a way as you talked about Tobias Harris uh, some of it of course he was tremendous in the first first half and what he was doing, getting the eight early. You said 12 or eight in the first half? I, yeah, 12, I believe. It, no, no, it was eight. It was eight. Yeah, eight, eight in the first quarter. Yeah, yeah, eight in the first quarter. Right. And 12, and he had 14 in the first half. Right. So um, that was a question that we had going in. How would he get himself involved or how would they get him involved? He looked sharp. He looked uh, determined on what he was doing. Yeah, He wasn't wasting any time with his possession to catch and go and do what he needed to do, the catch and shoot doing what he needed to do. And then later on, yes, he did disappear a bit. And they have to figure that part out of how, how to keep him engaged, especially if he's the one that has the hot hand. Got to get Embiid going. Got to find a way to get Maxi happening. He and Embiid got in foul trouble, which I think affected them both as far as their rhythm on the offensive end. That stuff they have to clean up. It is only game one. Um, so I'm not losing my mind over it. But when you talk about... It's basically rewinding the clock as if we go back to what we saw in 2021-22 season. It's a lot of the same with this basketball team. Yep, I agree, my man. All right, and one of them, which we say a lot of the same is, didn't seem like the same with Matisse Stiebel and him getting out there on the floor. We knew with the acquisitions that we wouldn't see maybe as much of him or see him as soon as we are accustomed to seeing him inserted into the game as a reserve. We need to talk about why he wasn't on the floor and why that was a problem last night against the Boston Celtics. We'll dive into that next right here on Locked On 76ers. You know, that's a lot to talk about, D. And, and, but right now I want to talk about my man, Luka Donich. And the reason I want to talk about Luka, and it's just a little joke, I'm talking about prize picks. Let's just say like tonight, right? Tonight with prize picks, this is like just the same, throwing it out there. I'm taking Luka Donich to score 25 points, more than 26.5 points. LeBron James to have more than 7.5 rebounds. Kevin Durant to have less than 6.5 assists. And Steph Curry to have more than 3.5 three-pointers made, right? So this is what you do for prize picks, right? So what you do is in prize picks, you can pick two to five players. And if they will score in more, you excuse me, you will pick two to five players, and if they'll score more or less than your prize picks possessions, right? You can win up to 10 times money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It's just you and the projections available. So what you do is you go and download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit matchup to a for a hundred dollars with promo code locked on. If you deposit a hundred dollars, prize picks will give you a hundred dollars. If you deposit fifty dollars, prize picks will give you fifty dollars. So don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit matchup to a hundred dollars. And as my man D always says, do it today, people. Definitely do it today. Do it today, folks. What else are you doing? You might as well do it today. Just get out there. Get to it. And thanks for making Locked On 76 is your first listen today. Now make your second listen 
game to game, NBA, Eastern Conference, every moment, every top performance, every result here locked on game to game covers every game from across the NBA, the Eastern Conference with local analysis that only Locked On can deliver. Philadelphia's in the Eastern Conference, so that's why I focus there. Follow Game to Game on Locked On NBA and the Eastern Conference, available on Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Keith Matisse-Thibel, uh, didn't see a lot of time last night in, in the game, and you thought as the game was going on, sure, P.J. Tucker would hold his own against both Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown while out there on the floor with the starters. Tobias Harris showed himself well in the postseason, so maybe he can keep up and with that defensive effort going into the start of this season. But once things started to get out of hand, specifically with Jason Tatum early on, uh, Jalen Brown caught fire a little bit later uh, as he reached his 35 points, which was, again, which was again a game high with his teammate Jason Tatum and with the 76ers, James Harden. Where was Matisse Thibel in this and trying to slow either of those two guys down you know and that was the bizarre thing to me that he didn't play um i mean really bizarre and 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 the thing about it is because you know i I get it i understand like you know you got these other guys and you're looking at more complete players right you say to yourself well look matisse said he's working on his offense but you know i maybe i don't feel as comfortable with it right now right but once you start seeing this one dude jason tatum bacon And then all of a sudden you see Jalen Brown getting buckets too. And you're out there and you realize that, you know, they're doing it with very little resistance. You have to say to yourself, I got to get Matisse in the game. What they did is, and and you look at this now, Matisse Thibel came out at the end of the first quarter and played on the floor for 20 seconds. He was subbed out. And then what happens is, in the third quarter, when Jason Tatum went and scored 17 of his 35 points, 17 of his 35 points, Matisse was only on the floor for three seconds. That was the ball game right there. And when you look at Matisse, you know, there's a small handful of guys who can defend like him. You know, one of them, you know, is, is your cousin, right? Um, uh, um, another, there's a couple other people, um, you know, I, I just look at it like, you know, yes, Daniel house might be a better, well-rounded player than Matisse, but he's not a better defender going up against a all NBA type performer. You look at PJ Tucker. I think that it's just a bad matchup because Jason Tatum is so long, you know, PJ is 6'5", Matisse is 6'5", but Matisse has like a 6'11 wingspan. You understand what I'm saying? So, so, so is, and your cousin Mikael Bridges has a long wingspan. They can guard guys like that. I just felt like, you know, it was a point where there was a time where the 76ers had to say like, look, these guys are, 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 are killing us and we have to stop the bleeding. But instead, they didn't put a Band-Aid on it. And in my opinion, after that third quarter, the game was over. Yeah, he was too comfortable, Jason Tatum was, in that third quarter. And uh, albeit Jason Tatum is a more physical player and can get that way with Matisse Thibault and has that advantage. We've seen these two face off where Jason Tatum has got the better of Thibault and Thibault has uh, won his matchups also uh, for a good part of the game. Uh, against Tatum so 
that was something I was a little bit surprised of that Doc didn't call his number a little bit more. Sure, the offensive part, I get it. They were down 10 after three quarters. It was 88-78, I believe, 88-78 uh, at the uh, end of three or 98-88 uh, at the end of three. And it started to get away from him. But you still had 12 more minutes in that fourth quarter. So offensively, I get it. He's not a threat. Offensively, Matisse Thibault. And we know that P.J. Tucker is also not that much of a threat from behind the three-point line. Maybe that little uh, pick and roll, that little dump in that he does to get into the painted area for his floater, that push shot that he likes to make so so often or, or take and then make so often. But I did think that, you know, like we talk about, yeah, sure, Daniel House, a nice pickup who I, I, I championed that pickup in the offseason. I, I still think it was a good move, and I think it will show over the course of time. But last night, you know, if it's starting to get away, then you go to something else, especially if you can feel like you can go to one that you know will, in fact, work out for you. It's you, you don't have Chris Middleton on on Thursday against the Milwaukee Bucks. However, that team can score uh, outside of Giannis. You drew Holiday can score. Pat Connaughton can score uh, for that team. So you got to find a way to, to get Matisse Thibault going, get him into a, a good spot there. Defensive offensive substitutions they are going to have to happen. Yeah, and I know you're still trying to figure out, trying to see who fits with who. There was an opportunity to call 22's number last night and maybe give him a little more time to see if you can slow down Jason Tatum, slow down Jalen Brown. It was way too easy for those two guys against the Sixers last night. Way too easy. Way too easy. So I, I too, like you, uh, and maybe some Sixer fans, are, are a little surprised that we didn't see more of Matisse Thibel. Uh, was it an offensive thing? Was it simply trying to figure out what those other two can look like and Melton and House out there with with the with the rest of the group? Don't know. And we'll we'll continue to try to find out. But yeah, I thought Matisse that will get the problem time. with that is when we look at what, what Melton and Daniel House did, right? I mean, I and I understand that. And so what it is is it's kind of like courses for horses, they say. You know what I mean? That's what Brett Brown, horses for courses. Like, you know, you look at you look at uh Daniel House. In, in 16 minutes, he was a, a minus five. He had one point. He only took two shots. He missed both of them, right, Daniel House. You know, you you have uh, you, you you have DeAnthony Melton who who shot two for four, right? So, but he was a minus 13 plus minus. You have a guy George Niang who played 12 minutes and he was one for four shooting. And when we look at George, it's not the defense; it's the shooting. So it comes to a time when you know, like, this guy might be struggling a little bit to whereas you just have to change it up a little bit, make a little adjustment. You know what I mean? It was kind of sort of like, I think that if, if, if I'm if I'm the Boston Celtics after the game, I'm saying to the, in the coaches meeting, I'm like, can y'all believe they they left them on the bench? You, you, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it's one of those, like, it, it to me, it was just I just didn't understand it. You got two guys who gave combined to give you seventy, and a second team all league defender, not just the best def perimeter defender on the team, one of the best defenders in the NBA, only played twenty three seconds. And I tell you what, Malcolm Brogdon came in off the bench and gave them work, work. <laughs> It was way too easy for him, too. And I'm a DeAnthony Melton guy, and that was a lot of his primary assignment. And uh, same with, with Tyrese Maxey 
We talk about him developing as an offensive player. He needs to pick up his defensive play also because, again, getting worked yesterday by Malcolm Brogdon. So they need to clean up their perimeter defense because these two guys, this is something we've seen before where guards would go off against the Sixers perimeter defense. 70 last night for those two wing players and Tatum and Brown, two former, two all-stars uh, on the Boston Celtics. On the other side, Keith, we need to talk about the big fella. Yes, yeah. he had 26, but I think he hit the floor 26 times also. Let's talk about why that keeps happening and why it can't continue to happen. Only game one, but you need him for more than game one. You need him for 82 plus. The big fella hitting the floor too much in game one. We'll talk about it next. 97. Oh, <laughs> locked on 76ers. I'm so used to saying it. That. It, 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 it had you thinking you was doing your radio show. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm used to that. So you better not we'll be say that tonight. Big fella hit the floor again. <laughs> uh, we'll be back locked on 76ers. Yes, Devon Givens from 97.5 The Fanatic. <laughs> I'm Pay from the Enquirer.com. We are with you here, locked on 76ers following the Sixers 126-117 loss to the Boston Celtics in the season opener. Uh, the home opener will be Thursday back in Philadelphia, and they will be taking on Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. Drew Holiday will see about Chris Middleton. I don't think he's going to be available to play, but still, nonetheless, a good matchup for the Sixers starting off with these two teams uh, to begin their campaign. Keith, uh, as much as Embiid, like he shot 50%. He wasn't a problem there. You know, when you, and when you take away the six three-point attempts, which I think is three too many uh, for him last night, he was one for six from beyond the three-point line. Of course, he never got into a really good rhythm, and his numbers don't look all that bad with 26, 15 rebounds. I think he had as a, as a game high uh, for the uh, game last night. And uh, it was foul trouble, but it was also how many times he was on the floor again, man. He just, he just, he needs to protect himself better. And I don't know if I want to hear it anymore about that's the way he's supposed to protect his body and land the way that they ask of him because duty's hitting the floor far too many times. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he's hitting the floor. And even the one where he and Marcus Smart got tangled up there, it looked like he pulled Marcus Smart's arm, but if he's not, on the floor, you know, ha- halfway on the floor, we don't even have to worry about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the thing about Joel and and some, you know, I, and I, the thing about him that really gets me is that every because of his injury history, every time he goes down to the floor, I'm like, is this because it? is this <laughs> it? Yeah, because you know, and, and it's not like from uh like a fandom type thing, you know, what I mean, like a fan's concern. To me, it's more or less, oh, man, please don't be hurt because I, I don't want to write another injury story about you getting caught, you know, carried off the floor or something like that, right? But it, it happened, like, at least five times yesterday, at least, and, like, four in the first half. I mean, so it's one of those things where, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's like 
the guy is playing like with fire, so to speak. It's like he's going to get injured. I mean, that's all he does. And I remember in the beginning, it was like, yeah, Allen Iverson, that's what he does, you know, this and that. But Allen Iverson isn't 7'2", 280-plus pounds. You know, Joel, I mean, you think about it. The injury that he had, he fell one point and or yeah, he fell one point in the preseason and almost messed up PJ Tucker's knee. Last in the playoffs, he fell and injured Danny Green's knee. So it's I one agree of those, with you on that one too. He, you he gotta he gotta you know he gotta be careful. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, he was the reason for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you just have to be a little more careful. He he does. It's just too much. We are we are so so far into his career where he should have this uh, under control. There are other players who play with reckless abandon, like you're talking about, but we don't see them on the floor as often. And he does he does need to clean that up because not only is he does he have the chance to injure other players, like you mentioned with the Danny Green play, because I totally agree with you. He had no business falling on that play. And as a result, fell into his teammate's knee and he was out for, you know, for the start of the season with an ACL and the remainder of the playoffs. And in the preseason, you mentioned the P.J. Tucker play where we're we're sitting there holding our breaths and wondering, is is he going to be out for an extended period of time for the very same reason could have hurt Marcus Smart? Is he doing it purposely to hurt people? No, he is not. But that is a a part of it that could result in injury with him falling on the floor. He has to clean it up, has to get better at it. it, it's, it we're saying this. It's never too late, but at this point, it seems like it's too late because that part of him is not going to change. I agree. I agree. Yeah, got it. Got to clean it up because it's just too much. It's too much. Not only can he hurt himself, he can and has already hurt other people in in the same um, in the same way, man. But listen, everybody, we thank you. Sorry, it's of course a disappointing. A uh, conversation that we have to have after game number one. I thought Keith was right. Celtics win. I thought the Sixers would take it. It looked like at, when they got down and they remained under control, Keith, in that first quarter where they were down 9-2, 7-0 run by the Celtics to start things off. It was like, oh, this might get out of hand quickly. And it, it could be problematic, but they turned it around. James Harden, he was sharp. We can talk about him a little bit more tomorrow when we preview the Bucks game. Uh, but they turned it around, and I thought when they turned it around, they had a chance to go up. I think they were up eight, and I I thought, all right, if they get a if they get a dagger here, they might be able to sustain this and keep this one going. Also, thought that Doc Rivers that one run, I believe it was in the third quarter where they won that quarter by ten, that he let them play on a little bit too long and let the veterans and those players in general figure it out when the game got away from them. So we'll see how. Things changing maybe a little bit tomorrow uh, for the Boston Celtics. For I mean, for the Milwaukee Bucks, as far as how the game plan goes, see how they respond to some adversity. But being back at home, some familiarity there, uh, back in Philadelphia and uh, on their own home floor. We got to thank everybody for tapping in with us here. Thanks for making Locked On 76ers your first listen today. Now make your second listen. Locked On NBA. The NBA season is here, and tonight you get the full slate of games. Uh, here in the association, our local NBA experts and insiders have you covered on and off the court all season long. All the biggest stories around the NBA every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. Available on YouTube, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcast. Keith, you, you excited for the rest of the schedule getting underway tonight? Yeah, 
say, no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess, I guess. I only I mean, have one game in mind, and that's yeah. it. Who are they losing to? Uh, who they're beating Luka Doncic. You already talked about Luka Doncic and the Dallas oh, Mavericks. Yeah, yeah. right. We we start off with so Luka uh, going to get thirty five tonight. I shouldn't have said twenty six. I should have said 30, 36. He is had, somebody is somebody you know guarding them, or they got somebody like, else on them? He 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 got the he got the better uh, of that matchup in the playoffs. I, I give him credit. I mean, he's not an easy guard, but no, I also I, I put my money to your point. I'll put my money on. Uh, that under whatever that under is it's 26 5 yeah. all right well I, i'll put the uh, 26 5 is very manageable no matter yeah what. exactly go under yeah I, i'll make that an alternate change of number in there and then i'll put my no i got kind of, let me let me put it on the table put it on the table i'm putting the money down there yeah. done under under 26 and a half yeah. whatever it was but it's most important, we get the win. So <laughs> let the folks know where they can find us. I can brag tomorrow or on social media. Wherever you can get your podcast at and on YouTube, you can follow us, right? Um, also, make sure – what time you on the air today? Tonight? Actually, tonight I'm on tonight after the undefeated Flyers, Keith. Undefeated Flyers, 3-0. Back-to-back second game tonight. They took – they knocked down Tampa Bay. Last night in Tampa Bay, they're 3-0 under new coach John Tortorella. So I'm on tonight after the Flyers game, 10.30, 10 to midnight. 10.30 to midnight. You know, it's funny, though, not to say, whenever I think of the Flyers being undefeated, I think of the Sixers my first year on the beat. They started out 3-0, and and we were like, whoa, I thought you were tanking. And Brett Brown was like, don't worry, don't worry. Yeah, that one. Everybody was excited. Because yeah. remember, they beat Miami. They beat they Miami. Beat yeah. Michael Carter-Williams yeah. almost had a quadruple-double. Yeah, exactly. So so it was a crazy stuff. But, but um, so, so listen to my man D tonight on this show, the Divine Giving Show. Then follow my man D at DivineG975 on Twitter. Follow me on Pompeii on Sixers on Twitter. You can read my work in the Inquire.com, and you can pick up a Philadelphia Inquire. All right. All right. So I'm just looking really fast to your point on that number 20. All right. I see that number there. Hmm. Less than 30. You're going to go for 43. And a loss in Phoenix. (laughs) He's going to go for 43 tonight. No, that ain't happening. That ain't happening. Him him and Dorian Finney-Smith may combine, or Spencer Dinwiddie may combine. I might have to jump on Nick's podcast and talk some smack <laughs> to the Dallas fans. No, I'm not going to do that. All right, Keith. Thanks, man. Thanks, right. everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Appreciate it, man. All right. Peace. All right.